Estás escuchando el podcast Give Me Cinco, episodio 132. Sometimes we, bilingual. Yes. There's a joke there. I'm not taking it. Uh, we talk about pop culture, nostalgia, movies, and occasionally in Spanish. Broken Spanish. Very broken. Yeah. Broken. Super broken. <laughs> me llamo Gregorio Y me acompañan Roberto. Sí. Me llamo es Roberto. Y Jaime. Hola. Me llamo es Jaime. This week, we are going to talk about Altar de Corbón. That's not a thing that I translated. And the 1986 quotable classic, The Three Amigos. We are the three Hang on. amigos. That has an exclamation point at the end, so why don't and you try at the beginning. again? It needs to have one at the Upside beginning. Upside down at the beginning. <laughs> yeah, which I, now, I actually know how to do it on a Windows computer now. It's like Alt-168 or something on the number pad. But uh, we are talking about the Three Amigos. There you go. Nice. So it is a review show, and there will be spoilers. Perhaps not so much about the Three Amigos as it's from the 1980s, but we may spoil the shit out of some of Altered Carbon. So if we're talking about something you haven't seen or read... If we're talking about something you haven't read or seen or listened to yet, use your own discretion. Come back later. Yes. Mm. That's mm. Rob said. Mm. <laughs> it's going to be one of those nights I can tell already. <laughs> Just lots of weird noises. Uh, yeah. Bad impressions of Spanish soap operas and Yoda. Uh, news. Yes. I got none. You All right. have some. Make it I happen. Do. I do have some news. Guys, uh, this is a little film that I heard about uh, very recently. <laughs> the movie is called PG. <laughs> and PG stands for Psycho Goreman. Yes, it does. Which is like the coolest fucking name for a movie. I watched that trailer, Jimmy, that you sent. Yeah, it looks fucking epic. (laughs) Like this looks like one of those movies that, again, is going to be so bad. It's good. Yeah, it it looks like some little kid watched Power Rangers and then had a nightmare about the Power Rangers. And you're watching that nightmare. Yes, I, I would definitely agree with that. I would also toss in some. Man, it's still so hard for me to say this. Uh, Peter Jackson's Dead Alive, um, which we will have to review at some point. Yes, that Peter Jackson made a very, very cheesy horror movie 
in his early days. Uh, it also reminds me of some Turbo Kid, the Giver live action, if you guys okay. have ever seen that. Little Monsters. And uh, the movie God Bless America by Bobcat Goldthwait. Now, is that um, the Little Monsters with Howie Mandel? It sure is. Okay. Uh, how the the relationship with the child, I guess they're kind of buddies. Mm-hmm. Though Howie Mandel's monster seems a little smarter than the hulking behemoth known as Psycho Goreman. Um, so it looks like, from what we could tell from the trailer, we haven't really talked mm-hmm. much about the plot here. It looks yep. like... A, a sister and brother, a brother and sister, somehow summon some sort of uh, killer demon, killer orc, killer something. Yep. Who and can control him? Yeah. Who who does their bidding and it seems will not harm them. So there is um, there's some there are some ripping off of heads in the trailer. There's a scene which I have just got to know more about where he's playing the drums. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And it looks amazing. Uh, there are also some scenes where he's kind of like the overlord of a demon army. So uh, that'll be really interesting to see. It is from the director of The Void, Stephen Kostansky. Mm, I like that uh, movie. I, it, it's grown on me. Uh, seeing the movie Baskin and then watching The Void, it's very easy to uh, maybe say that one is a, kind of a ripoff of the other. But really... It's not. It should be appreciated by itself. Um, definitely check it out. Uh, look at the trailer. It's for PG, a.k.a. Psycho Gorman. It will premiere at South, South by Southwest on Friday the 13th. Now, so, what is what is South by Southwest? Again? Man, I don't I, I'm going to pretend to know. It's a big movie festival out in Austin and it used, it's a movies, music, whatever. And it's where they they debut a lot of the independent type things. Um, yeah. It was a much smaller thing and then it kind of blew up. It's yeah, it, it's still got its heart and, you know, small screen cinema and, and there's still a lot of things that go on a lot of cool things, but it, it's, it, it really does get overrun by your Kylie Jenner's and all your, you know, little shithead celebrities, but um, some good stuff has really come out of there. So can't wait for that. Yeah, I, I looking at the trailer, I'm I'm kind of excited about checking it out, and I wanna I wanna take a look at it when it comes out. Um, I don't know when. It, I mean, I don't think we have any idea when it'll actually become available to mm-hmm. anybody not at the film festival, South by Southwest. Yeah. Um, hopefully, very soon after that. Rob, do you have any news, sir? Because um, I've got one more thing. If you don't. Well, no, I, I was I was going to talk about a game that I'm looking forward to, but I think the release date got pushed back. No, and and I was wondering whether or not you guys had heard anything about it, and if you were interested at all in trying it, or or I don't know if you guys even played the original or not. But they are remaking and remastering Final Fantasy VII, <gasps> and I thought it was supposed to be out this month, but it looks like it got pushed back to April 10th. Ah. Uh. Goodness, that's been talked about for such a long time. And mm-hmm. yes, I did. I did play the original um, on, you know, various ROMs or, or different platforms over the right, years. Right. And um, that's another one that that, you know, is, is that actually coming out for Xbox as well? Um, only on PlayStation 4 for the first year. After March 3rd, 2021, it's likely to move to platforms like Xbox One and PC. Mm, I'm not going to wait that long. So, yeah, I'm I'm very interested in syncing 
what I loved about those games is you could pour 30 to 40 hours in them, no problem. Oh, yeah. So um looking forward to that. I, I'm interested to see if they've altered the game in any way so that you can save the character who dies, we'll say. So I because I don't know if you guys ever did it or Jimmy, because you played the game, right? I don't know if you ever did it, but I actually went back and played it and leveled her up to her max to her max uh limit break or whatever it was that they mm-hmm. called it then so that I could just see what it looked like because she actually had one programmed into the game. Her level four limit break looked awesome. I don't remember it quite as much into that detail. Mm. Didn't play it as much, but um, you still couldn't save her, huh? You no, know, no. Well, but what 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 you had to do was you had to go back and just stop short of the part where she dies, mm. and just just keep grinding. And you could just grind them up to whatever level you wanted and get get her up to where you could actually see the limit break. But yeah. Good old bump and grind. I don't see nothing wrong. Do we have anything else, gentlemen? Because I have some music for you. Go ahead. Go for it. Now, Greg, you um you you've done this before with uh you know, premiering some some Pearl Jam music. This is a band that I don't know if I have talked about too much. This is a band that as I say in my head is better than Slayer, but might might not exist without Slayer. Okay. So this is the band Havoc. I'm going to play just a little clip from their new song, Phantom Force. is the latest effort from havoc the video for that song phantom force is out now you can check it out the album comes out on i have not had banged in a while and i am still dizzy first (laughs) i can see that rob what'd you think of that that is totally not my style of music yeah i can understand that i can respect that for me havoc is uh just extraordinarily fast they're fun to listen to, and uh, there are some, uh, you know, some some deeper meaning behind their tracks. Uh, they're about as political as they get with music, but they're very tight, very fast, and very awesome. Uh, I'm not sure if that's as political as you get. I've I've heard you listen to Public Enemy and a little bit of uh, Wu Tang gets political every once in a while. Mm, that's true. More social, I sound like social a hypocrite. Political. Yeah, that's there's like Rage Against the Machine, it. and yeah. yeah. So like the music uh, that that vocal style, you know, drives me nuts for the most part. It's not as uh, it's werewolf not as, rock as Gene yeah, Simmons calls it. <laughs> not werewolf rock or uh, guys an idiot. Got to roll. That's the word. But they uh, I, li- I like the, the driving drum beat. They're fast yeah. and they're technical and they're good. So this is gonna check sound weird, it out. I actually kind of like the t- the tuning of the bass. Uh, bass is very prevalent. Um, yeah. Slap in the bass. Slap in the bass. Exactly. <laughs> well, it's time to talk about our state, right? What's it? State, what the state of what? The state of confusion, confusion. and or Florida. Yes. 
Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for WTF. That meaning, of course, not only what the fuck, but welcome to Florida. Yeah. Welcome what do you have for us today, sir? To Florida. We are very lucky that Rob is here today. Because yes, this may are. or may not be about Rob. Oh, okay. It probably is. Longtime listener, longtime listeners will know that Rob is a big fan of, of, Renaissance, of Renaissance festivals. Oh yes. God! Rob is also a big fan of public nudity. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Is it public enemy? Yeah, yeah. The uh, Rob is not a big fan of public enemy. <laughs> uh, so the Barf or Bay Area Renaissance Festival, which he has talked about in the past. And I will be going. Uh, it is well, time for Barf News in yeah, WTF. So, uh, last week, it was, I guess, February 23rd this happened, but I didn't get to pick the story. So uh, they, of course, have Renaissance festivals. They have a bunch of contests, or contests one of which is the uh, Kilt Contest. It's like a oh, show. Yeah. It's a show. The Men in Kilts competition. Well, one of the Men in Kilts did what one is supposed to do with the kilt. Um, he went regulation. Not went regulation. No underwear. As a, and this is an offended patron said he swirled around, danced, then he bent over and lifted up his kilt, and there's his backside saying hello. Uh, one of the people was quoted as saying, I could see his anus. Uh, everyone's cheering and cheering and shaking, and you're seeing other body parts shaking around from underneath there. So a patron of the Men in Kilts competition mooned a bunch of children and other goers. One woman said, I'm there with my 13-year-old son, and he's a little older, but it's still super embarrassing. The barf people were forced to... uh, we're forced to apologize, and if you watch the video that they took, despite the crowd's cheers, some people can be see shielding their eyes or turning away. They were given no warning. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. Um, I uh, again, I I think people are a little too sensitive. Oh well, yeah. I, having some guy moon me would not like psychologically devastate me no um i would not be that might be how we actually met i I think it was actually i I had i had my hams pressed against the glass of your driver's side window and you were like oh hey you have a lovely anus Uh, yeah um (laughs) what's your name what the hell did i just say (laughs) (laughs) it's just the title of this episode you have a lovely you There you have it. <laughs> oh my god. Episode um, 122. Hey, you've got a lovely anus. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Oh, we're not recovering from this one. Wow. <laughs> yeah. All right. So, but again, I mean, I don't know that I would be so psychologically devastated if if some dude were to moon me at like a kilt, you know, uh who's wearing the best kilt kind of thing, you know. And yeah. I would not be so embarrassed. I, I mean, how that I would go to the you, news. Right. Well, I mean, how do you get embarrassed because you're there with your teenage son? And be like, oh, I was, I was so embarrassed. Why? What did you do? Your thirteen-year-old son looks up weirder shit on the internet. I promise oh you that. Oh my! I guarantee it. Every thirteen-year-old son has seen at least one donkey show. One, yeah, woman <laughs> blowing a donkey. <laughs> like, <laughs> I wasn't gonna go that route, but thank you, Rob. <laughs> you did. Yeah. 
The Bay Area Renaissance Festival did, of course, apologize. I always find it interesting when there's like that kind of stuff. Like thing, like when you find out someone was like they're on a sex offender list because they mooned somebody, and I'm like, does that that literally every person has mooned someone at some point in their life? Yeah, is, right. is that really an offense that can get you landed on a sex offender list? Yep. Probably. Get, there are people on. No, this is 100 percent true. There nope. are people on mm-hmm. sex offender lists that were caught peeing behind dumpsters. Yep. That is so. Like so there was a, there was a, actually just a story the other day because of uh, Mardi Gras, where someone someone caught a girl peeing behind their truck and just sprayed them like opened up their garage door and sprayed her with a hose and she ran away. And someone's like, it's a good thing you didn't call the police. And he's like, well, I was annoyed that she was doing it, but I didn't want her on a sex offender list. And then of course it was a comment thread. So everyone was talking about their friends that ended up on offender list. Cause for that, that is the yeah. dumbest shit ever. I sw- yeah. And, and what happens is, is you, you, you minimize the impact of, of actual the people. people who are actually doing it. And it's like, yeah, I so stupid. Yep. So anyway, that is that is my lovely Florida slash Rob story of the week. By the way, I did not get fined. Oh, good, good. Did you win though? No. Hmm. Can't wait for the next barf. The dude, yeah. the dude next to me had a better anus. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I told you before you go on that competition, look into some bleeping. Put googly eyes <laughs> on your butt cheeks next time, and then and then you tuck so that it comes through the backside and looks like a little nose. Yep. <laughs> Very little nose. <laughs> hey, if it's poking all the way through the back, even if it's a little nose, it's still pretty big. The show is not for kids. <laughs> not for kids. <laughs> We we went off the rails super early tonight, guys. I'm sorry, yeah. but not okay, really. So let's let's do topics here. Yes, reel us back in. We are going to talk a little bit about altered carbon. I don't think any of us have finished it, so I was I didn't mention this, but I was going to propose we kind of just talk about it in general. Okay, and then I thought you were already married. Which one of us were you proposing to? <laughs> you, Mister mm-hmm. uh, Hams, on my window. I uh, figured we talk about it just in general, like what it felt like for it to be back and all that stuff and what sure. you remembered from the previous episode. And then we'll see if it closes out when we all are able to watch the last four episodes. Let's do that. Yeah, let's do that. So this is our review of Altered Carbon, part one of two, season yeah. two. And I got to say, I remember jack shit from the first one. <laughs> I was yeah. like, I'm so lost. What did I? What, and And I don't know about you guys. But this whole this whole season so far, I have found far more difficult to follow. Yes. And I've had to pay so much more closer attention. Yes. Absolutely. And, and end up having to rewind a couple of times, you know, because I again, you know, if you get distracted or something, you've missed something. Yeah, definitely. Um, this is not a show that you um, can just leave on in the background. Yeah. Oh, no, no. Um, I, I tried to do that. I, you know, I tried to work while I had it on. Uh, I, I had it kind of on my phone in the corner of my eye and it's just, no, you know, two minutes goodbye and you go, huh? And, and that was a big concern that I had going into this, uh, I was trying to remember, so I, I did not want to go back and watch all of season one. 
just to catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, I I was trying to you know Takeshi Kovach and then this and it just got all so, confusing in my head. So yeah, let's do some some we'll do the, the, the normal the stuff. Details, so, yeah. Ultra Carbon Netflix. It was released on February twenty seventh, mm-hmm. uh, starring Anthony Mackie, Layla Loren, Layla Loren, Simone Missick, Chris Connor, a bunch of other people. Uh, still based off the well, based off the books by Richard K. Morgan. I was trying to remember if it, who wrote the books. Yep. Uh, synopsis: Thirty years after the Bancroft case, which was the first season. Yes. A meth tra- tracks down. Did I type that in, or did you yes. guess? No, that's no, correct. That's correct. That's the term yeah. from the show. A meth tracks down Kovach to offer him a job, a high tech sleeve, and a chance to see Quillcrest Falconer again. Quillcrest Kovach was the hero of the first season. Quillcrest was or Quell was his Quillcrest. Uh, yes. yes, what he said uh, was his girlfriend, wife, whatever. His uh, girlfriend partner. slash leader of the resistance slash inventor of stacks. stacks. Yes. Yes. <laughs> So we got we kind of did a little bit of the initial thoughts, but what happened to me is I went to season two, I pressed play, and for some inexplicable reason, it played season the beginning of season one. Happened for me as well. And I got about 20 minutes in, and I was like, I know I've seen this before, but because of the fact that they wake people up, and they're in different time periods, and they do all this, like, people could die, come back, <laughs> and there's a lot of that kind of stuff, yep. I was like maybe they're doing a fun little thing where they're like redoing the first thing. Then after I got to a certain point and they still had not introduced Anthony Mackie, I'm like, Oh, you're like, yeah, hang on a second. And- Cause like the show pretty much starts with him, like being woken up mm-hmm. from like, at least the first season. Uh, yes. Yeah. Right. So he's well, all I- off and angry. I actually got a long recap at the because mine started on season two, but I got like a long recap of season mm-hmm. one at the beginning of the first episode of season two. Yeah. Now, if you guys did not watch Ultra Carbon out there, it basically it's a cyberpunk type show. The stacks that these guys mentioned earlier yeah. is basically a little computer chip or a hard drive that basically saves your memories, your I, your life, and when you die. You lose your sleeve, and they can take that hard drive, put it in the next sleeve, and you can basically live forever. Yeah, it's like a memory card for a PlayStation 1. It's about the same size. Stick it yep. in the back of your neck. Yeah. So you pretty much are invincible, or not invincible, but you, if you die, you just get rebooted unless that stack gets destroyed, at which point you are dead. A.K.A. Like, yeah. real death. Yes. I Is it me, or have you noticed that there's a lot more real death in this season than Especially there was last? Especially in that one sequence. <laughs> the guns that are like blasting the stacks out of the people's necks. Mm-hmm. You got that far? Me? Yes. That was, that was episode two, I think. Like the, Oh, okay. Cause it happens again. <laughs> oh. Spoiler alert. Yeah, episode two, they do that thing where those, those guys, like they walk in and through that kind of futuristic tunnel and they, they kind of use the same gun and flip it to each other and blast people. Um, it's a really cool sequence. Actually. The, the, the action was good. Oh, that sequence. There's like, yeah, special forces guys but that's I, I only got the episode four this time i i'm on episode six i think i'm on episode six and i find myself far more interested in what's happening to poe yes uh returning character poe who is basically takeshi Kovach's digital assistant mm-hmm. and almost security guard 
in a way, um, modeled after Edgar Allan Poe, who and I think also that's his, amazing. Also his hotel, <laughs> yes. And and also, so far from what I've seen, in my opinion, the best actor in the show. I would mm-hmm. agree with that. There, there are even times where Anthony Mackie, I, I, th- I think a lot of them, and I think a lot of them as an actor, but sometimes I'm just like, dude, I could have delivered that line better. Um, yeah, when, when Poe is starting to lose his memory and starts to get a little frantic, it's mm-hmm. really, the acting is incredible. He's he's really good. And and I think that might be part of the reason why I'm so drawn to his storyline, because in in all honesty, I mean, six episodes in, I mean, Poe so far is really the only storyline that I'm even caring about at this point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this this season, definitely a lot more ab- about the revolution than uh, than than is so much of a love story, even though it kind of is. But Poe really is, and I think was the backbone of season one, and he, he kind of is again mm-hmm. in this season. And I'm I'm very, very happy about that because like you said, I think his his character is by far the most interesting. Um mm-hmm. we finally get an explanation for the absolutely ridiculous name of Kelcrest Falconer, uh, which is up there for hero names like Shadow Moon. Yeah. Um it's like the name of like it's a those people that would just like not go out on Fridays and Saturdays and would just sit around playing magic when I was in college. Yeah, call me Calchrist Falconer. No, uh, well, that was you know you know those people. That was me, but I didn't make up stupid names like that. Understandable. Well, you you weren't the guy that wore the weird hat. There's always one guy in those groups that wears a weird hat. I. It's called a fedora. <laughs> <laughs> no, the one the one when I was in college wore it was he wore like sort of a modified version of the uh, uh crocodile, no the crocodile dundee hat without the teeth around it. Uh oh no I did not. Yeah. No. Okay, anyway. I so, mean I, I wore weird hats, but it was because they were goofy, not because you know, I was I was being cool or anything. My granddad got me this hat. <laughs> <laughs> okay, anyway, continue. Sorry. So why why is the stupid name? Uh, Kelcrest is the name of a seaweed that uh, when it dries up, uh, it is uh, dormant. And then when it is exposed to water again, it uh, comes back bigger and better than ever. Uh, uh, okay. Yeah. Uh, which is still stupid. So, um, gotta say though, her fight scenes were the most badass. Uh, yeah, she's she's pretty good. Yeah, you know, Kelcrest is back, obviously, as you can glean from the trailers, and she is uh, definitely got more of a featured role in this season. And mm-hmm. she is pissed or possessed, or maybe she's got uh, you know. Maybe that's not her in there. You don't really know. Uh, you don't really know for a while. But she's just kind of wielding these two short knives and going around and just kind of kicking everybody's ass. So mm-hmm. um, I definitely enjoy the action in this one. Um, the action in this season is more memorable than the action in the last one. For me, it's it's a lot more Matrix-like there are some very cool fight scenes where they do the kind of bullet time 
where it'll slow down. The camera will, you know, kind of pan around and mm-hmm. the action will resume. Um, mm-hmm. And there's even um, uh, what I think is very similar to uh, the fight scene in the living room from Aquaman and even uh, some fight scenes from Wonder Woman in there. Yeah, that's actually a good. The camera's just kind of going all around the scene, like when you watch a football game and they have the camera that goes all around the the stadium on the kind of sky wires or whatever they're called. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, my my reference was going to be the uh, some of the scenes in like Deadpool two, where the they move the camera or they'll they'll make some stuff be in slow motion. Other stuff like during the car wreck. Yep. Well, that was Deadpool one, but Deadpool two, like in his house. When they when they they attack his house or his apartment, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that kind of thing, yeah. And and I will be that guy because there's also far less nudity in this season. Yeah, there definitely is. I forgot about the nudity in last season. Oh, I didn't. <laughs> Should at least be one dude in a kilt showing the, up its anus. I I need kilt anus. I mean. <laughs> Well, then, we have the title for our next episode. <laughs> I need kilt anus. <laughs> I really hope my fiance did not hear me say that, because she can't hear you guys. <laughs> oh. um, I am uh, I'm seven episodes into this. Um, and, it's, and it's eight episodes long. It is, yeah. And I honestly, man. I'm, oh, it's shorter than last season. Yeah. And good uh, you know uh, good for that I, I i'm very glad that they're not trying to make 16 20 episodes out of this you know what i mean like it's just yeah. too much it's it's a it's lot a of exa- it's a pretty exhausting show it really is it's it's hard to watch two to three in a row mm-hmm. you know you just want to kind of catch your breath and just, oh god what well but see i i didn't have that same problem with season one which is kind of why i i'm I, I mean, I'm going to be honest. I'm a little let down with this season. I can see that. Yeah. I, I'm I'm not as engrossed into it as I was last season, and I don't know if it's just the way that they've that they've written it. It's gotten a little kind of convoluted and complex. It and had, yes. I mean, I, I see what they're doing. I'm just not as entertained by it as I was with the storyline that they had in the first season. Mm-hmm. Well, the first season had a nice mystery as the backbone, mm. and it was a it was a little bit of a smaller story. Mm-hmm. As a result of it, that grew into a bigger story, and this one kind of drops you into the middle of a bigger story. And that, right? And, yes. and it was our as the first season was pretty exhausting in general, but in a good way. And I think that I think part of it is in the first the first season you had to wrap your brain around this idea of stacks mm-hmm. and like mm-hmm. a character a character would die and oh yeah well they're not really dead or then you'd find out like the oh. those those women yeah. that were up on the satellite that were like being they were just like letting themselves be killed by like rich people and it turned out that like they were getting real death because it was more and like they didn't realize it so they're basically sacrificing themselves thinking they were going to be alive but they for money, but they weren't. And like that type of stuff was interesting and horrifying. Yep. You had to remind yourself when look thinking about the stacks, like what does that mean for every single thing that would happen? Yeah. And, um, 
And I have to say that I find myself questioning the validity of the immortality so much more in this episode or in this uh, season than I did last season. Like I'm thinking way too much about the logistics and the the whatnot involving the stacks. And I'm like, well, yeah, um, I, 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 I can see that. Definitely. They they introduce a lot of so like you get there's there's real death. And there's being resleeved and mm-hmm. and there's being in like kind of you know a state of stasis where you're not in a sleeve you're just kind of existing on a stack right i get that right now it's like resleeved like 200 years later right but now it's like you can be trapped within yourself and you have wait it's like okay now they're introducing more like it, it, ways of being now and it it is pretty confusing and as some parts of it, I'm just like oh okay yeah, fine I guess and it's gotten to the point where where real deathing doesn't really have the same impact that it did in the first season because at this point it seems like everybody's just like boom 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 and and you know everybody's just destroying everybody else's stack and it's like I thought I thought the point of this was that that was like really taboo. Only the really, really like severely disturbed individuals were the ones who even committed the real death. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Yeah. And now it just seems like it's like, oh, well, you know, they're in our way. Let's just let's just kill them. And we're not even going to kill their body. We're just because they'll kill the body and then they'll kill the stack. And it's like. I mean, I, th- I thought that was something that was kind of taboo and nobody really felt comfortable with it. But now it's just kind of like, OK, yep. everybody's dying. Yeah, it's like, all right. So how do we still have all these people? <laughs> so uh, one, it looks good. Um, I'm, of course, going to continue going through it. I want to see how it pays off. Um, mm hmm. And I'm guessing, obviously, you guys are almost done, so you're not just going to stop now. No, absolutely um, not. I think if you like oh, the first, no. de- first season, check this out. Um, if you have not seen either of the seasons, check out the first season. If it seems like some, a world you want to live in for a while, check it out. Yeah, by no means am I saying that it's bad. Um, it's exhausting. It's exhausting. <laughs> uh, not as great as the first season. but Yeah, you that's, know, that's kind of my assessment as well. Yeah, I mean, that, mm-hmm. that's the, the sequel curse. Um, they didn't try and do anything weird like a prequel or something, which is that's that's good at least. Um, and it, it does explain a lot of. It's hard for me to say, kill Chris Falconer's uh, motivations and and things like that. So there there cool. is some clarification to the story. And next episode, of course, we will just let you know briefly how how it paid off. But now now it's time, guys. Time for what, Greg? What time is it, Greg? Well, let's just, we'll tell a little teeny tiny bit of a story. I had the opportunity to go to the Orlando Taco Festival. Okay. It was one of the best moments of my entire life. (laughs) There was uh, 25 taco vendors and other vendors on top of that that had each had at least two or three different types of tacos. And you got to eat them, which is the best part of a taco. Well, uh, while there, they also had some uh, lucha libre wrestling. <laughs> yeah, I, I that is not actually a part of a taco. That is a yes. part of having a taco. That is true. That is true. Uh, there was lucha libre. There was tequila tasting. 
this was also a week ago, so the tequila is not still in my system. Uh, but either way, it was a fun time. Went with a friend and listener, Jubal's who you've heard about before. Uh, if you look at our Facebook page, you can see him ride a bull. You can also see uh, my arch nemesis. Uh, we'll just call Well, his name is Steve, but we'll call him Jeebus. Okay. He tried to, he tried to ride a bull. He hopped up onto the bull and then fell off the other side. Uh, it was a mechanical one. So not, he wasn't stomped to death or anything. Uh, maybe next year, but he did. He jumped up <laughs> on one side of the bull, fell off. And the guy in control was like, one second. <laughs> Because he didn't even last a second on the bull, but anyway. And see, a, I'm I'm picturing you standing on the other side of the of the mechanical bull riding ring, all dejected, holding like the leash to an actual bull, and you're like, I I thought you were gonna ride. Yeah, I thought ride, you were gonna ride. get stomped to death by this one, <laughs> gourd. But anyway, so as a result of the Taco Festival, I decided we were going to watch Three Amigos. Three Amigos, a movie that came out. On the 14th of December, 1986. Well, that is my wedding anniversary, except for the 1986 part. <laughs> Man. Directed by John Landis, written by Steve Martin, Lorne Michaels, and Randy Newman. The only movie that Randy Newman has ever written. Oh, no shit. Uh, starring Steve Martin, Chevy Chase, Martin Short, Alfonso Arau. And I'm just going to mention them because they're SNL alums, even though they're in a very small part. But John Lovitz and Phil Hartman. And I loved them in their roles, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Phil Hartman. I yeah, miss that guy. I, I still bitch do. Ass wife. Yeah. The amigos close. Yeah. Anyway, synopsis: th three actors accept an invitation to a Mexican village to perform their on-screen bandit fighter roles, unaware, unaware that it is the real thing. Guys, thoughts? Had you seen this? Well, I know Rob has. Oh yeah. Jimmy, um, I have, and, but I I couldn't tell you when I did. So. This was uh, a lot of this was very new to me, um, and it was very, very, very funny. When I first saw this movie, I did not like it. Back in the day, I didn't really? see it in the theater. Really? I did not like it. It was just one of those that people would put on when you were over there, like over at their house. And I thought there were funny parts, um, stuff I still think is funny, like the the singing bush and the. Uh, uh, just a couple things like that, like the more physical gags. Mm -hmm. But I, I didn't like '80s movies because there was there was such a lack of logic in most of the movies that came out, and I I didn't understand that as a kid. But I was always like, I don't get it. Um, and then I watched it many years later, not just now, but I was like, oh okay, this is yeah, this is funny. And then again last night, <laughs> very funny. And Rob. I, I liked the movie when it first came out. I hadn't seen it in quite a while, and there were scenes that I had forgotten about. But I mean, it, it's it's ridiculous enough to be right up my alley. I, I mean, I enjoyed it. Yeah, the inexplicable Germans. I still have no idea why they were there. <laughs> they were gun runners. Ah, oh, okay. Yeah, you know, I was I was trying to figure out um, where I had seen one of the Germans' friends. His name is Brian Thompson. Yes, um, the big guy, right? The big guy, the, big guy, he, the very like angular jawed, like mm -hmm. chiseled. Yeah, he, he's got a very distinct look, and I, I'm just mm -hmm. kind of scrolling through his um, his IMDb here. He was uh, the crawler in the Birds of Prey TV series. 
Uh, yeah. He's also been, he's been in a bunch of other stuff too. Oh, a the, bunch of stuff. He was on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. He was the judge slash Luke. He was Shao Kahn in Mortal Kombat. Yep. Um, a very, very, very long resume. Mm-hmm. Um, I was just like, wait, I recognize that guy. And I did not remember Phil Hartman being in it. I did not remember, uh, John Lovitz being in it. So, um, mm-hmm. I didn't remember a lot about that movie. <laughs> yeah, so the the plot really borrowed. Well, it didn't borrow a lot of. It borrowed a lot from Magnificent Seven, or which borrowed a lot from Seven Samurai, mm-hmm. which okay. is basically, you know, a village terrorized by bandits. They go and try to find people who they think are heroes. They they are not actually heroes, but they have to rise up and basically teach the villagers to fight for themselves. But you've seen this in other movies too. Yeah, um, is there any that like came to mind? Like I. When I, as soon as I was watching, I'm like, oh, it's Bugs Life. <laughs> like, it's basically Bugs Life. You know, the, the actors go and they have to use their acting skills to, you know, convince the ants to fight back against the grasshoppers. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Well, except I would argue that Bugs Life was the three amigos. Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> like, I'm saying, yeah, like, Bugs Life borrowed from that. Or, I mean, technically everything borrowed from Seven Samurai, but right. yeah, I, 1954. You know, I, I couldn't help but to think of the movie starring the incomparable Bruce Campbell. That movie is My Name is Bruce. As a, does it have a similar kind of process, uh, plot? It does. Um, a, a group of townspeople, and, and, you know, this might be one that we have to talk about, but a, a, a town is terrorized by an evil demon, so the um, the younger people of the town go and kidnap Bruce Campbell from a convention and uh, bring him in to fight as um, Ash, basically. And the whole time he's like, yeah, I'm not that guy. But he kind of teaches him to find the power within themselves to fight the evil. Nice. Demon, you know, that kind of thing. It's very, very funny. Mm-hmm. I have not seen that yet. Uh Galaxy Quest, Tropic Thunder, mm-hmm, both of those mm-hmm. kind of do the same thing. There's a lot. It's it's not a original plot on that end, but the gags are very original. Yeah, the movie. Um, um, sorry, what were you gonna say? Oh no, I was just gonna say that. Um, you know, you can take with that much comedic power in a movie, you can take a plot that's been done over and over again and add something new to it, just with the humor and the location and things like that yeah the um for this movie watching it going how old is this movie because it didn't feel that old because it's a it's an 80s film that takes place in mexico in 1916 mm-hmm. so that for me kind of threw off the the time when right. it came out i i'm like this is an 80s movie it felt like much much uh much newer than that because i think the the comedy of Martin Short and uh, Steve Martin and Chevy Chase it's it's kind of timeless, mm-hmm. you know. Um, it's a right now, amount of absurdity to to be funny and and not in a, a mean kind of way, you know. Mm-hmm. You actually touched on something that I wrote down as one of the things I, I kind of wanted to mention: um, the timelessness. And mm-hmm. Steve Martin had a very interesting. It's a very interesting career. He's done a lot of things well. Mm-hmm. And he had a very... He had an old soul. People always thought that about him. So, like, one, because his hair turned white at a very young age. But he uh, he, always, he looked back to the 
you know, 1910s, 1920s, all that kind of stuff, and the classic Hollywood era. And you can definitely see that in this movie because they like revisit oh, yeah. it. They revisit classic Hollywood, and even some of the jokes. You're like, you look back, you're like, oh man, that joke is outdated because they were talking. Who is the the one story that that uh, the guy is telling to the kids about the old actress? Oh, like, it's like like get like Dory Doris Gish or something like that. Yeah, but his her sister. Yeah, it was Lillian Gish's sister, yeah. or whatever Dorothy Gish, I think. But like, mm-hmm. like that joke was outdated then in the eighties. But so it's like even it's kind of becomes more funny because it's not like someone making like a a MySpace joke now. Oh, yeah. It's like outdated. It was like super outdated then. Yeah, absolutely. I I couldn't agree with that sentiment more. The the um, casting, I wanted to also bring that up. Um, I thought the cast was great and they worked. I thought they worked really well off of each other oh yeah and, and, and go ahead the the three main characters absolutely and even even so far as the um the girl that was cast as carmen who was the one from the village her her young sidekick mm-hmm. and and i absolutely loved el guapo and jefe <laughs> oh man mm-hmm. oh jefe was Oh, he he was he was just so funny. We're going to talk about some of the interactions between those two. Yeah. But man, El Guapo is still working today, by the way. In fact, you guys have both seen a movie that had El Guapo in it. The guy that plays El Guapo, because he was the he was in Coco, or his voice was. Mm. Oh, okay. He was the he was uh, Coco's well husband, who was in the other realm. The little short guy with the big mustache. That was him. Hmm. Which I thought was actually, I was like, what is this guy doing? He also, he was a director as well. He was a very well, well-known Mexican actor, but he did like Water for Chocolate and a bunch of fairly famous Mexican films. Nice. Uh, some of the other like weird little clips. So when this movie was written, I, so you're going to, we're going to talk less about the plot like we usually do because we figure most people have either seen this movie or could easily see this movie. I think it was like three ninety nine for for high def rental. Oh yeah. Yeah. That's, um, which you don't need to get high def. Cause there's some messed up teeth in this movie with some things on it. <laughs> oh, they're yeah. I'm like, Oh damn. Did they like, I highly age your suggest, teeth. Yeah. I highly suggest the two ninety nine not high def version. Um, cause I did actually want to brush my teeth. Actually, I did get out of bed and brush my teeth again after watching it, but for the second the, time this week. Yes. Month gross. Uh, <laughs> the I read that book, Wild and Crazy Guys, not too long ago, mm-hmm. and they talk a little about the making of this movie. So I want to talk, like I'm going to bring up some of that stuff. Um, Steve Martin, after he did the Jerk, he had five consecutive bombs. Oh, really? Um, the Jerk was made for a very low amount of money. It was, I think, his mm-hmm. first movie or one of them, and then he had five consecutive bombs and he had, he had been sitting on this script. He basically was, he was holed up with his wife who's uh, Victoria principal, just looking at paintings at his apartment. And they had this script that had been written in 1981 and it was supposed to star, um, uh, what was it? it was supposed to star, uh, Bill Murray for dusty bottoms. Robin Williams was supposed to be Ned Niederlander. Hmm. Um, Steve Martin was still supposed to be lucky day. And, uh, it was supposed to be directed by Spielberg. 
Okay. Was, Interesting. Uh, There's another version with um, Steve Martin, Dan Aykroyd, and John Belushi called The Three Caballeros, uh, which was a Disney thing. It was, it was a Disney thing in the 50s, but yeah, he referred, and he, Steve Martin actually mentioned that in Playboy magazine, like an interview in, like the, in the early 80s. So the movie had been kind of floating around. Mm-hmm. Well, which I thought was interesting. But anyway, um, so while Steve Martin was sitting there, he's like, well, what makes things funny? Why did my movies bomb? And he was like, just going over the stuff. And finally, he's just like, okay, let's do this movie. And it also, of course, came out the same year as another movie involving a singing plant, Rob. With Sweet Steve oh, Martin. Little Chop of Horrors? Yep. Both both movies, say 1986, uh, both nice. involving a singing plant and Steve Martin. It's kind of weird. Feed me, Seymour. Yeah. Little Shop. Little and, Shop uh, it, There was a. Well, this movie had a relatively easy f- f- uh, film shoot. It led to a lot of things. Because. Well, we'll, we'll talk about some of the controversies about it later. But. That's you know like just the making of this movie was has kind of an interesting story because it was a rebound movie for Steve Martin it made a, a it made its money back but it wasn't a huge thing uh, he basically Steve Martin basically went took the script went to a poker game that he used to play like a high stakes poker game that he put, would play with Johnny Carson and Chevy Chase hmm. and asked Chevy Chase will you do the movie Chevy Chase said yes and it kind of went from there so it's kind of an, it's kind of an interesting backstory hmm. so. That's that. It, I, I, I will say that it, it made me think a little bit about, and I don't know how accurate it is, but it reminded me of like stories that I had heard of how Hollywood used to have like all of the power, and the actors were really just kind of like paid interns, kind of things. Yeah, like the, the actors the then. Yeah, the actors then did not have the same clout and power that they do now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you signed and, a contract with a studio, and you did all of those studios' movies, regardless. And it was what they wanted you to do, mm-hmm. right? And they they do reference that, of course, when they have to like break into the studio, basically to steal oh, yeah. their own costumes. <laughs> and they, they're so inept too, and just just sitting at the wall waiting to get in, and Steve Martin's trying to get their attention. He's like, ah. Look up here! Yeah. Look up here! Look up here! <laughs> I love I love that kind of humor. Yeah. Um, and uh, absurdity. Mm-hmm. This movie does border this, this absurdity. This movie does borderline like if you go into this movie and then you're like you're like oh this is going to be kind of a period piece with some comedy in it and then all of a sudden there's like a talking turtle and an invisible night, swordsman. Oh man. <laughs> That part is still funny every time That's I hilarious. see it. If you guys have never, even if you don't care about this movie at all, go look it up on YouTube. It's there. The the, the singing, singing bush. bush. The singing mm-hmm. bush. I love the individual chants that the people have to do, and I all it always seems to me like it's just something they told each one to make up a chant because each one of the chants kind of fits with the person. It seems like Farley, 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 Farley. <laughs> It sounds like yeah. It sounds like Chevy Chase is speaking backwards in a ridiculous, <laughs> over the top kind of baritone. Mm-hmm. And then he shoots the sword. <laughs> we shot up. Which is <laughs> great. That that effect was actually really good. <laughs> like the the way it just lands on the ground. 
and, and even like when when Martin Short comes over and like picks up his hand and drops it in the little poof of smoke mm-hmm. or of sand. Yep. Like, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wow, it's just that? just funny. Yep. So yeah, we just t- yeah the physical comedy in this movie is great. Uh, like even like Steve Martin gets a chance to actually do he was actually already knew how to do lasso tricks because he was he worked at a magic store at Disneyland when he was like growing up. Really? Mm-hmm. So like he was actually doing the lasso tricks in that he didn't have to like learn it. He already knew how, which I thought was kind of cool. That's neat. Actually, yeah. I didn't know that. I didn't that's know actually very cool. cool. <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's where he got to start. He was did all that stuff. And then he became a comedian because he liked being on stage. And then it grew from there. <laughs> so Good. I, I want to know a little bit more about the signs because you were telling me beforehand about the signs and I totally didn't notice the signs. So I was saying that this movie is actually sort of funnier or the kind of two thoughts. One, this movie is funnier if you know Spanish Mm -hmm. or some Spanish. And the other thing is this movie actually helped me in Spanish class because because of this movie, I knew the word jefe, you know, boss and el guapo, the handsome one, (laughs) because so like when I hit Spanish class, you know. There you go. Um, so some of the little kind of things that I, I sort of noticed the um, when they're trying to sneak into the fortress and the two guards that are like talking, mm-hmm. they're actually just saying the ingredients of like a Spanish recipe. <laughs> are they really? <laughs> yeah, they're like tra- they're like trading recipes as they walk. And when they first get another thing that I thought, and if you look at all the signs, there's like little jokes on all the signs. But the cantina that they have, it's uh, called Cantina del Barracho. Which is uh, cantina of the er, cantina of the drunk, which I thought nice. was kind of fun. Um, and even like you know Santa Poco, which is actually completely incorrect. But I think what does that mean? Like small town, right? Or Saint Saint Small? I think right. I think Poco means small. Small Saint. Small Saint. But it would be Santa Poca or San Poco because Poco is a male sounding name, but. You know, just little things like that just made me kind of laugh. And it gave you st- – like you could look at the signs and just and pay attention to what the people are saying to each other. It was kind of a funny little thing to notice that I wouldn't have noticed, you know, before I did uh, whatever that's uh, – what is that thing? Uh, Duolingo. There you uh, go. There, yeah. We should do an ad for Duolingo now. Yeah, we, I need to get back on that. <laughs> yeah, Sam. <laughs> we need to, to battle each other. Exactly. Just do entire episodes in Spanish. <laughs> and fun. then, and then you can become so famous that you're infamous. <laughs> That's a quote from the movie out there, people. Which I, I like the uh, two different meanings of that. That's really funny. so dumb, right? Let's see here. Uh, I guess let's talk a little bit about the. Uh, I guess the controversy. Yeah, t- tell me, because I don't even know what controversy you're talking Neither about. Neither do I. Okay. So, one part of the controversy is this is the movie that put Chevy Chase into rehab. Really? If you notice, Chevy Chase is actually not in this movie a lot. Like, he doesn't really have much to do, other than kissing someone in the veranda. <laughs> no, Which the is, lips will be fine. <laughs> yes. But that is because his back was so messed up from his time on SNL, from doing all the pratfalls and being Gerald Ford that I that he was uh, he basically had a massive pill popping problem. I don't want to say the wrong pill. I think it was Percocet or Percodan or whatever. And he was doing a lot of cocaine um, mm. after they felt like almost immediately after they filmed this movie. 
they brought him to ironically the Betty Ford Clinic. Ironic because his back was messed up because he was she was ma- he was making fun of her husband Gerald Ford, and brought him there. Now one of the controversies there was is he when he checked out of the Betty Ford Clinic almost the exact week actually might even be in the same couple days they were on SNL that night the three actors to for this movie and one of the bits at the opening of the show was Steve Martin and Martin Short pelting Chevy Chase with bags of cocaine uh, with pills yeah oh, it was pills god and being like oh do you want some do you want some and like <sighs> messing messing with them now i'm assuming it was i'm assuming it was allowed you know like he knew it was going to happen but mm-hmm. still not the best look really but that was just that was a kind of a small thing the big one was this is the film um do you guys know about the twilight zone uh movie what happened Mm-mm. with uh, uh, Vic um yeah with Vic Mora mm-hmm. um the, do, you, do you know Jimmy you can do it if you want yeah there's a scene in the Twilight Zone movie where uh one of the main characters in the sequences goes back to uh uh I guess Vietnam era and is uh he was actually killed along with two children and yeah that was when filming yeah that was uh John Landis as well correct as John Landis was mm-hmm. film was filming the movie, um, he they had a helicopter suspended in a soundstage. An explosion went off and dropped the helicopter, and it's. I guess the explosion. I guess it was no. I guess it didn't drop it. I guess it crashed the helicopter yeah, and the blade. And it didn't just kill them. It actually cut them in half with the blades. Yep. Ooh, yeah. Um, so that was the movie right before this. John Landis was filming this movie at night because he was in trial. He was having a trial during the day about if he broke labor laws and all that stuff. Problem was, is that, you know, Chevy Chase, kind of a dick. He mm-hmm. was basically every time they and he was also a cocaine addict at the time. So whenever they told him to do anything, he would kind of be a dick back to John Landis. And at one point, as he was mumbling under his breath, when they were filming a point where all three actors were on a mountain, he was like, basically said, um, you know, John Landis putting us up here. He needs to be better. He needs to be more careful with his actors and was making jokes about like John Landis killing the other actors, but it was a, but it was a live mic. Um, I don't think that they ever spoke again. Oh, Um, so there's a little bit of some, some issues there more personal issues. So I, I wrote controversy, but it's more, you know, interpersonal issues that did mm-hmm. make it a little hard to get everyone on the same page. And it did lead to some edits in the movie that John Landis wasn't super thrilled with. And there's obviously some, some things, despite the fact that it turned out to be a pretty decent movie. So those, those are the, the things I thought was actually, I mean, sad, but also interesting. <laughs> Just all in all, the the movie makes me smile. It makes me laugh. I love the interactions between the main characters. We didn't talk a whole lot about it, but I love the interaction between El Guapo and Jefe. Mm-hmm. Some of the conversations that they have, it's just like really like patient therapist almost. Uh, yeah, exactly. And and it's just it's this, just the sweater, the the conversation. Oh, the, the sweater was so damn funny. He was so yeah, touched by I it. I always thought that. Guapo killed Hefe at some point. Like for some reason in my head, that the plethora conversation, I really thought that he killed him. But I was like, oh, I guess he didn't. 
<laughs> the it's conversations that you've you probably will remember from other comedies like the like the plethora conversation. Um, Would you say I have a plethora of pinatas? <laughs> I want a plethora of pinatas. <laughs> yeah, just uh, and it's it's very well acted. You really buy into El Guapo and Jefe, and I know I keep coming back to them because they might be my favorite characters in the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's just really well acted. Martin Short and Steve Martin and even Chevy Chase. And I'm not a huge fan of Chevy Chase, but even even Chevy Chase, they, they all do a really they're very good at what they do. I mean, you yeah. can't really <laughs> you can't really take anything away from the, them. the little dance sequences in this movie. To go back to the physical stuff, like when, like they go into this bar that's like the most disgusting looking, like dusty, like criminal. Yeah. yeah, and they they do this like My Little Buttercup dance sequence, uh-huh. and like the look on their face goes from like on all the patrons' face, like we're gonna kill these guys too. They're crazy, <laughs> and they oh, yeah. like kind of well, sort of join in. Oh, but yeah. that's, that's because the German had just been in there, and they mm-hmm. thought that, and the, all the all the people in the bar thought that they were the Germans' friends because he was saying, "My companions will be here soon, and mm-hmm. you better treat them better than you've treated me because they're not as forgiving as I am." And mm-hmm. he had killed like six people. Yeah. <laughs> and so when they walked in, they all just assumed that they were the Germans' friends. Yeah. And they were scared to death of them. And then the Germans' real friends walked in, and they were like, hey, look at the sissies! Yeah. <laughs> they shoot them off the top, really. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I love the one of the first times they meet Guapo, El Guapo, and they start doing their little dance mm-hmm. with Martin Short, like, clapping. <laughs> and Steve Martin doing his little, like, sh- shuffle feet thing. Oh, it's so funny. It's it. Yeah. And then when he gets shot... Yeah. Ow. <laughs> you you're in a lot of trouble, pal. <laughs> yeah. And like when they sort of start realizing, oh crap, this is real. <laughs> we need to go. Yeah, for and they kind of start crying and for shit. some reason I I remembered once he realized he was shot that he passed out. But that wasn't the case. So I was like, wait, God, how long has it been since I've seen this movie? Yeah. And it occurred to me that Steve Martin is the only one of the three who got shot, and Steve Martin got shot twice. twice. Yes, he did. And he also got shot. It was shot. Was he shot in the left arm twice? No, no, he was shot in the the arm and the foot. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh yeah, yeah. Okay. So the the left arm thing was actually a reference to Dead Man Don't Wear Plaid, where he kept getting shot in the left arm throughout the movie. Oh, nice, nice. So, uh, just money wise, we always talk about this budget. $25 million estimated budget. It made $5,939,000 in the opening weekend, and it had a USA gross of $39,246, mm. and that was also the um, the worldwide gross. So it did make its money back. It's always weird looking back at these old movies where the worldwide gross is the same as the USA gross mm-hmm. because that was before they did like the wide releases. But it blew up on video cassette and HBO or whatever cable channel it was on, and it became a pop not pop culture phenomena, but a uh, a cult classic in a way, <laughs> kind of a mainstream cult classic. And uh, yeah, see that that same month. So not only was it up against Little Shop of Horrors, it was uh, let's see, The Golden Child uh, came out this mo- that month as well. That didn't mm. do well. Uh, the movie Platoon, uh, directed oh. by Oliver Stone, came out. Um, 
Yeah. That movie, that movie took all the business. Oh, quite possibly that, that same year. Golden Child didn't do well. Mm-hmm. It was with uh, Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy. Yeah. yeah, I saw that one. I liked that one. Yeah, just uh, not a great year for film. It looks like. So I'm I'm scrolling here. Uh, the Fly came out that year. Howard the Duck, Friday the Thirteenth Part. Howard the Six, Duck. Jason Liz, Flight of the Navigator. Uh, though I can't seem Excellent. to remember any of these doing all that fantastic. Uh, aliens. Weird. July. Oh, there you go. Top Gun was this year, wasn't it? Mm, Labyrinth was. Okay. Mm. Uh, was Top Gun? Yes, Top Gun was. Yes, it sure was. Yeah. And it was probably straight cleaning up at the box office. That it uh, was. Even months later when um, Three Migos came out. Yes. Uh, the usual question, guys. Remake. Um, well, I, I would. I'm going to submit a different question simply because this movie actually has been remade multiple times uh, in sure. in the form of Bugs Life and you know what else, <laughs> whatever else. Um, my question is: the three amigos. There's three of us. Who's who? Oh God. Hmm. I think Jimmy's got to be Steve Martin. Because he's the he's the serious one, the more serious of the ridiculous three. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> see, be- okay, go ahead, and I'll, I'll give you the way I see it. I would say Jimmy is Steve Martin. Uh, probably me as Martin Short, and Rob as the uh, as uh, uh, Chesty Chase. Bottoms because he plays the piano so well. Yes. Yes. How do you see it, Rob? Um, I see. I actually see Greg as Lucky Day, Steve Martin's character. Okay. I and then it's a toss up for you and me between uh, Dusty Bottoms and Ned Needlemeyer. But uh, but I, I kind of feel like you're you're more Ned and I'm more Dusty. I feel I feel very Ned like. I do. Mm-hmm. Um, I can accept that. I mean, I wanted to be. Steve Martin. I can fly a plane. Yeah, I, um, I didn't really want to be Dusty Bottoms, short. but you're not short. I think I'm the short one. Oh well, whatever. Okay, I can't fly a plane either. Yeah, don't ever look me to fly you out of a. I can't. Situation. I can't play the piano. But you can play the skin flute. We no, the, I just provide the instrument. We Ooh. raped their horses and rode off on the women, <laughs> and pruned their. Hedges, hedges, in many <laughs> villages together. Yes, yeah, very quotable. So, Who the hell I are you? Watch it. <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, definitely. Uh, my submission for the answer to that question would be no, not a remake directly, but how about a sequel? Ooh, where he goes back to Carmen, but why? Oh yeah, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't know, I was thinking maybe we could, uh, you know. Oh. And then she and then she goes, oh, and then turns around and walks away. <laughs> it's like, yeah, like she she hadn't damn. thought about it in, up until that second. She was like, uh, well, hang on a second. But she didn't say yes. She just said, oh, and then turned around and walked away. The, the, ki- the kiss sequence is is Chevy Chase at his finest. The, like earlier on. 
have to say. Uh, do you guys know who won Best Actor in a comedy or musical that year? 86? Yeah. Well, the comedy musical thing in the Academy Awards is weird. Okay. Um, was it... Uh, it, uh, it wasn't uh, What's-His-Face from Mask, was it? It was not. This shit wasn't funny. I know, but the Academy it Awards wasn't have a musical. weird... <laughs> I know, but the Academy Awards have weird categories. Uh, it was Paul Hogan. That was one of the top money-making movies of the year, actually. Well, there you so go. So should we do wow. our top five question? I, think I we imagine should. we could. Okay. One of the things we didn't talk about, but we will now briefly, is when the Three Amigos announce themselves. They do their uh, Three Amigos chant with the thrist, with the uh, the crotch pumping and the hand <laughs> crossing. Did you say the all crotch pumping? I did. Crotch pumping. <laughs> yeah, the crotch pumping, crotch pumping. That they do that. Uh, <laughs> That's generally where yeah, it that is how they yet. they how they how they announce themselves. Uh, and when I was watching it, I was like, you know what? I want to know what your guys' top five chants or mantras or invocations. Top five crunch hump. Cr- I can't even say it. Crunch hump in in movies. Yeah. So, so go ahead. Your top five chants, mantras, invocations. This is a little bit broad because it could be groups of people chanting. It could be some something that like a couple people say together. It can be any of that kind of stuff. Yeah, and what I initially thought would be a very easy list, easy list became a very difficult one. Um, yes, there are. You know, in the case of this movie, there are a couple of different ones. There are the magic words that they say to the singing bush. There is uh, their kind of introduction to the world, which they they do repeat uh, several times. So that's kind of what I based mine off of um, ones that are repeated uh, through a film in a film. And my number five is going to be O'Doyle rules uh, from Billy Madison. Because it happens, it's a generational thing. It's just really funny, and it follows. They them. die because uh, their station wagon hits a banana peel. Yeah. <laughs> uh, number four is going to be "Stop the Penis Party" from the movie PCU. It is uh, PCU stands for Politically Correct or Portchester University. Uh, that is just an underrated gem, in my opinion. I'm going to stop you here. Mm-hmm. As you go, don't. I'm not looking at your list anymore, Rob. Don't look at his list. Mm-hmm. I want to see if we can guess what movie it's from. Okay. Okay. All right. Sure. So, his name was Robert Paulson. Come on. Well, I, I I know that one. Okay. Well, then what is it? it? It's Fight Club. It is Fight Club. Two men enter. One man leaves. That is Mad Max Beyond Thunderdome. Sure is. is. And my also it's something I say to my child when he's not when he's not going to bed or behaving. Or you, after you throw him down the stairs. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> didn't happen. My number one was very difficult. So I'm actually going to have two number ones. Uh, my one B is going to be Wolverines, the uh, rallying cry of all the child's stars. Uh, in the 80s classic Red Dawn. Well, I, yeah, I was going to yeah. guess Red Dawn. But oh, you kinda sorry. Said it well, anyway. I'll leave you with my 1A, and that is Klaatu Barada Nukta. That, 
would be Army of That Darkness. is originating from the 1951 science fiction film, The Day the Earth Stood Still. Uh, however, yes. I'm using it, of course, from the Bruce, Bruce Campbell classic, Army of Darkness, who has been. Listen up, you primitive screwheads. Referenced a few times in this episode. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Excellent. Well, well, I guess I can go next. You My- can. All right. So from here on, do you want Rob and I to guess? Yes. Okay. Yes. So my the ones that didn't make the list, but were close. Okay. Siggy sucky, siggy sucky, oi oi oi. There you go. That one did not make the list, and it only didn't because it was well, it was one of the first ones that came to mind. It didn't because that is actually a real champ. Yep. Okay. So I just kind of left it off. Uh, feel the need, the need for speed. Also, Top did gun. not make the list. Yeah, Top Gun. That was because it was kind of a conversation between two characters. They said it over mm-hmm. and over again. Uh, Oeo, oo, which I should probably actually just go. Oeo, oo, and that is from yes. What was it? And the from Wizard of Oz. Okay. And I'm Spartacus, but you guys could figure that out. That is uh, Spartacus. Those, so those are that's famous. Those are, yes. <gasps> yes. That's Wayne's World. Uh, <laughs> you put the emphasis on the wrong syllable when you said Wayne's World. It was weird. It didn't come out. It didn't like it took me a while to figure out what you were saying. I don't know why. I put the emphasis on the wrong syllable. <laughs> you did. So anyway, uh, those are actually some pretty famous ones. But mine, uh, you know, we always have to have a little bit of our own personality here. So uh Number five is one of my all-time favorite movies, Red Dawn, Wolverines. We already did that one. One of us, one of us, what is that from? That's number four. That is from The Lost Boys. But it's also from something before then. Freaks. Freaks, from the, okay. After the, the, the pretty one gets... Uh, what? turned into basically a head and all the freaks are chanting one of us at her. Okay. Cause I was going to fight yeah. you on that. If it, if it was the lost boys, because it's only kind of whispered. No, this, yeah, this was the, all the freaks chanting at her after they turn her into a severed head in a box, basically. Nice. Um, very messed up movie from what? The twenties. No. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 30s, yeah. Maybe. Uh, anyway, uh, number three, toga, 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 animal house. There you go. Donkey show. <laughs> yes. Number two. Well, this one's easy, too. Rudy. Rudy. That would be from uh, James and the Giant Peach. Yes. And my number one is an actual chant. Pie Jesu Domine, Donna Eis Requiem. Pie Jesu Domine. Monty Python, Holy Grail. There you go. Nice. Very good. Greg just dropped the mic. Yeah, the best part foot. about that scene, the best part about that scene is if you watch the guy second in line in the row closest to the camera, he hits his head so hard he staggers out of line. <laughs> yeah, he, and not on purpose. Yeah, he, yeah. he stumbles. He's like, oh, I think I just gave myself <laughs> a concussion. probably did. Yep. Yep. Okay. Excellent. Rob? All right. Well, for my five, since we since we did say chant mantra or invocation i've got i got a couple on here at number i'll say i'll say at number at number five because it's relatively new okay 
it's it's more of a mantra than anything else, but it said a lot. This is the way. Ah. The Mandalorian. There you go. Yep. At number four, I will go with one we've already discussed, Klaatu, Barada, Niktu. Very nice. At number three, I'm going to put... Kalima! Indiana Jones in the Temple Kalima. of Booty. A movie we mentioned just last week. So that's my number three. And number two, this was actually the first one I thought of when the question came up, which was I say into pie up and maybe up and die. Uh, I have no idea. In Kamakoriyama. Um, well, you, you told me already. I did. So. I did. It's it's part of a song. But it's also part of an invocation, and it's also part of a chant because the main character says it, and then gets a whole audience of people to repeat it. That is, uh, I say, into pie, up and maybe up and die. That say is the talking pie. mouse movie, Stuart Little. It is. Yeah. It is. No, oh. it is the invocation from "I put a spell on you" from Hocus Pocus. Hmm. Okay. In Kamakoriyama. So that's my number two. My number one, of course, is going to be the one that we already talked about, and that's the the headbangers chant from Monty Python. Yeah, I figured that was going to be yours, but yeah, it was an actual chant too, so I had to keep it. So, guys, contact us. Let us know what yours would be because there's a lot of these. Yeah, there are, and it's not. And most of these probably just came from our own mind, so it's not like we can look this stuff up. So, if there's any that you can think of, let us know. And how can they do that, guys? Uh, Jimmy, I Yeah, think. they can find us Jimmy. on Facebook by searching for the Give Me Pie podcast, a good way to interact with us there. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Give Me Five Pod. Email us directly at Give Me Five Podcast at gmail.com or just check out the damn website at Give Me Five Podcast.com where you can also find our store. If you are looking for a very cool Give Me Five podcast merchandise or uh, if you are looking on mobile as it does not work so well through the website, you can go directly to the store, give me five podcast.threadless.com. Check out the damn website. Glorious. Yeah, exactly. Greg, tell them how we are uh, speaking to each other, please. We are talking to each other using Squadcast. Squadcast, basically, you send a link to who you want to be talking to, and even a couple people you do not really ever want to talk to, Rob. <laughs> and <laughs> what happens is they click on the link, and you can actually record via the internet so you don't have to be in the same room as said people. It is a great way to record, and we happen to be an affiliate for yeah. those guys. So if you check out whatever podcast uh you know, provider you're using, you will see a link in there that is a little too weird to like tell you to type in, but check out that link. It's on our website as well, I'm sure. And uh, you click on that, and if you decide you like Squadcast, which it's really good, it works great, mm -hmm. then you could use it. And if you start your own podcast, you can, uh, you know, we get a little bit of that money. Also, we're pretty good at troubleshooting it. So there have great service, but if you decide to use it and you want 
and you have any questions or want to test it out, I am here to do that for yeah, you. You with can you. pay us on you. I'm here to do that for you, with you, and on you. Oh yeah. Whoa. And Rob <laughs> will show you his anus. <laughs> with googly and eyes. What a lovely anus it is. <laughs> and a penis nose. Yes. <laughs> They're gonna love that ad read because next week we will be talking about castlevania season three i will finally get to my review of the game the sinking city and we will have our part two conversation about altered carbon rob have you picked a movie yet i have i'm worried about the availability of the movie we can find it i well no you can't because I own it, but it is not available for streaming anywhere. Ah, uh, yes. So we will have to find some way to distribute that between each other. Yes. So we we can do that. I I don't know if it will happen beforehand, but once we once we stop recording, I'll I'll discuss it with you guys briefly, and we'll we'll figure something out. Okay. So just keep an eye on our social media, and thank you for listening. Good morning, good afternoon, and good night. Dreaming of Rob's anus. Just like the time I saw his little nose. (laughs) (laughs) The sphincter was tightening. The ground was whitening. And I am never going to be able to look at Rob with a straight face again. Never sleep again. You never could. What are you talking about? Yeah.